You're listening to The Solopreneur Hustle, a podcast that teaches you how to build a successful solo business while cultivating a life of freedom and purpose along the way. I'm your host, Nia Lewis. Let's jump right on in. Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you for tuning in and listening each week. And also, if you are a weekly listener, I would love for you to leave me a review on the Apple Podcast app or iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, even on Facebook, if that's where you found me. Your feedback really means the world to me, and I want to continue to bring content to you that is relevant and helpful. So give me some feedback, leave me a review about the topics you like and dislike and what you want to hear more of so I can create better content that is more appealing to you. All right, so last week on episode 14, I talked to you all about how you should package the messages you deliver to your customer based on perhaps what your customer is already interested in. And, you know, when I when I recorded that podcast, I thought maybe that was something that was common sense. But when I thought about it again, I was like, well, the reality is that many times we get so excited about what we want to help our clients with and what we want to offer them that we forget to actually think about how our our sales pitch comes off from the customer's perspective. So today I want to continue this conversation surrounding the psychology of selling and help you guys understand how we can better understand our customers' needs to inform our marketing strategies and sales. So if you listened to last week's episode, you know that messaging is the most important component of selling that many early stage entrepreneurs neglect to focus on. Messaging, as I discussed last week, is the vehicle we use to pitch our business to our customers. And of course, a pitch is any opportunity we get to interact with our customers and uh, and present our, our business to our target customer. A pitch can be by way of an email blast. It can be by way of social media content, a social media post. It can be a face-to-face conversation. It can be a sales call. Any opportunity we have to present our business in an effective way to our customer, uh, anytime we're trying to sell our customer something we, we have or we're trying to promote something about ourselves to our customer, these are pitch situations. And every time we are in a pitch situation, we need to take a step back and think about how what we're saying comes off to our customer. Because sometimes, again, we're so focused on what we can give our customer and what we can provide to our customer that we forget to really think about what the customer wants and needs. So we know, we can all agree that there is a psychology to selling and understanding the principles of this psychology ultimately helps us to craft more effective messages. So if you're ready to up your selling game and close more deals, keep listening because I'm going to help you understand how persuasive appeals impact purchase decisions. Now, when you're pitching your business to potential customers by way of social media content, email marketing, or face-to-face conversations, or even over the phone, you're ultimately attempting to persuade your customer to make a purchase decision, whether that's buying a product or investing in a service or um, signing up for a conference, etc. So persuasion isn't always an in-your-face, isn't always in your face and direct. However, every sales attempt you make is at the core a persuasion tactic. So when you want 
your customer to do something or you share a piece of content, share an email, have a conversation where your end goal is for your customer to do something as a result of what you shared with them, that is ultimately you persuading your customer directly or indirectly to do something. So persuasion can be brought about using one of three persuasive appeals that I'm going to introduce to you guys today. So we can use persuasion to appeal to logic. We can use persuasion to appeal to our our target audience's emotions, or we can use persuasion to appeal or, or not appeal, but to actually establish credibility and trustworthiness between you and your customer. So let's go through each of these persuasion appeals. I'm going to talk to you guys about how you can implement these persuasion appeals within your marketing efforts to, again, better understand your target customer to ultimately sell more products and services and to close more deals. All right, so the first persuasive appeal we're going to talk about is appeal to logic. So sometimes it makes sense to use logical reasoning to exemplify why your customer should use or buy your product. Perhaps logically, your product or services solves a problem for your customer, thus making your product the most logical solution to your customer's problem. Perhaps logical reasoning is price comparison. Maybe your competitor's uh, product or service is more expensive than yours, and you offer the exact same service, thus logically, based on price and based on comparison. Uh, investing in your product or services makes the most sense for your customer. So we can take a, a an approach of promoting our product product or our service to our customer by way of logical reasoning, but we also have to think about this from the customer's perspective. So if your customer was to buy your product, let's just say you sell t-shirts. So if your customer was going to make a purchase decision about buying a new t-shirt, logically, what would make them buy your product over somebody else's? What logical reasoning can you use from the customer's perspective to back up why it makes sense to buy your product, okay? So think about it from a customer's perspective. Use logical reasoning to uh, come up with, with reasons why someone might invest in your product or service. So not only think about it in terms of how you logically can promote your product to your customer in a way that, you know, giving them the facts, in a way that gives them the facts. You're giving them um, factual information about how your product compares to your competitors in terms of price or any other uh, any other uh, quality of what you do that makes sense for them to buy from you logically. Or um, think about it from the customer's perspective. What logical reasons would they have to buy your product? Is it convenience? Is it price? Is it any other reason that would make, is, is the shipping fast? You know, think about the logical reasons that could make your, your customer buy your product. And then you would use those logical reasonings in your messaging strategy. So if, for example, your product is less expensive than your competitor, you may logically, in an email blast, give them all the reasons why your product is of similar quality. Uh, all the reasons why your product is less expensive, all the reasons why your product can be delivered to them faster in comparison to other competitors. So you don't ever really have to mention the names of other competitor companies, but when you're describing the types of situations where, you know, your customer may buy from that competitor, they leave it up to them to assume. For example, let's compare eBay to Amazon. So we all know that Amazon is one of the few uh, mega 
giant companies that offers free two-day shipping for membership Prime member customers. So if you are able to offer two-day shipping for a product that's also on Amazon and you are an independent company that doesn't sell on Amazon, you may say, we know some of our competitors offer two-day shipping on other platforms. However, on this platform, I also do offer two-day shipping. So sometimes we can make inferences about who the competitor is without actually naming the competitor, if that makes sense. So again, use logical reasoning to think about why your customer might buy your product and use that logical reasoning to convince your customer to buy your product or service. Okay, so number two, we can use appeals to emotion to persuade our customers to buy our products or services. Many times, if you just take a moment to think about why you buy things, we buy things because products make us feel a certain type of way. So I'm sure you can think about a situation where you saw an advertisement on TV or on social media or in a magazine that invoked a memory from childhood, for example. So we can all think of food we ate when we were children or toys we played with. And if we see a commercial that makes us think about something from our childhood, it automatically invokes some sort of feeling inside of us that may eventually lead us to buy that product. So I remember actually seeing a commercial uh, about uh, King Vitamin cereal. That was a cereal I grew up eating um, for most of my childhood. And I saw some some commercial or, or some sort of ad on Facebook about King Vitamin cereal, which actually led me to Google whether or not King Vitamin cereal was still in stores. And I came to find that it wasn't sold in stores anymore, but they sold vintage boxes of it online or you know something like that. But anyways, I saw that ad. It invoked an emotion in me, which caused me to actually go out and try to find the cereal that I didn't get my hands on, okay? So uh, people who have, and this is just another example of how emotions cause us to buy certain things in, in certain situations. So if you think about people that have shopping addictions, they don't just buy things all the time just because they have money to do it. I mean, they may do it because they have money or they may not have money and they do it because buying what they buy fulfills an emotional need for them. So sometimes we have an emotional need for status or acceptance, or we buy things because of a nostalgic feeling, but it's important to think about what your target audience longs for, pinpoint what your target audience longs for emotionally, and brainstorm how you can satisfy that emotional need with your products or services. So I find that the best way to appeal to your your target audience's emotional needs is to use storytelling. Now, many times we can paint a picture for our customers through marketing, through messaging, by way of social media that tells a story that invokes some sort of emotion in our customer. So many times, let's just say you're using your product, you're, you're putting out an ad about your product that communicates that your product solves a problem for your customer. Now, in solving that problem, what would that feel like for your customer if that problem was solved? And think about what that feeling is and tell a story that communicates that you understand how that feels. So for example, me and when I offer business coaching services, I want my target customer to know that I know what it feels like to be in a situation where 
you have started a business and you're not getting any sales and you have ambition, but you feel frustrated every day because you just can't figure out how to push your business forward because you're feeling overwhelmed, okay? I want my customer, my target customer, my target audience, my ideal customer to know that I understand what that feels like and I can help them overcome that feeling. So I'm appealing to not only a problem they have, but I'm painting a picture for them about how that problem feels. And also I may even paint the picture of how it would feel as an entrepreneur to overcome those challenges. So one, paint the picture of of understanding in terms of their emotional needs. And then two, paint a picture for if you're solving a problem, paint a picture of how their life may look if you solve that problem for them. So this this emotional appeal in terms of our marketing efforts can be twofold there if you see where I'm going with that. All right, so the third and final persuasive appeal we can use to help us sell more products and close more deals is is appeal to credibility. So we can use credibility to build trustworthiness between us and our customers. So if you take a moment to think about products you regularly buy without even thinking twice about it, uh, because you perceive these businesses as the absolute best at what they do, you think their products are the absolute best and you think they're a very credible source of whatever you're getting for a credible source for whatever you're getting. And you don't even consider buying from a competitor because you think their product is so great. So just take a moment to think about those types of products you buy and maybe those types of businesses that you support. So for me, the first business that comes to mind is (laughs) Chick-fil-A. I'm sure anybody listening has probably eaten at Chick-fil-A unless there's you're somewhere in the world where Chick-fil-A doesn't exist. (laughs) But I don't eat fast food often, but when I do, Chick-fil-A is usually my go-to option. Why? Because I know that every time I go to Chick-fil-A, I'm going to receive hot food fast and there's going to be great customer service every single time I go. So even if their line is out of the parking lot, I still don't hesitate about getting in the drive through line to pick up a quick lunch because I trust Chick-fil-A to get me in and out of that drive through line in under 10 minutes. I know my food is going to be hot and I know their employees are going to be happy to see me even though it's 95 degrees outside and they're standing in the drive through line with their little crossing guard vest on. So because Chick-fil-A has positioned themselves as such a trustworthy fast food chain, even when they're busy, we still go in. And even if something goes wrong with our order, we still don't complain. We don't get upset because they have built so much trust between their business and their customers that even when they make a mistake, we still don't give up on them. So how can you establish business credibility like that? And how can you position yourself as a credible source in your industry? What can you do to build that type of trust between you and your customers? One way is consistency. So when we when we take a moment to think from our customer's perspective about what they value, I talked about values last week, with what your customers value, what they look for in a business they can trust. Think about some of those values and think about ways that you can consistently portray those values every time your customer interacts with you by way of perhaps customer service, perhaps the time that the, the time it's going to take for their order to be processed and shipped out always be consistent in what your competitor values thus you're always um, consistently building trust between you and your customer they can trust you to do the same thing every single time they order from you and they eventually become a repeat customer 
So, uh, and this, this tip here, this next one, uh, for how we can work towards establishing trust and credibility between us and our customers. This next one is more so for coaches or, um, consultants that are providing content online through content marketing. Um, and it doesn't even have to be through online marketing. It can also be by way of content that you distribute in person, but providing free content first to build trust always works to eventually sell. So if you find a potential client and you're consistently providing them with free content that is good, they will trust you to provide them paid content that is also good. So if you provide them with something free first so they can get just a taste of the gift that you have that you can give them, they will have no trouble eventually buying something from you when they see that what you give for free is so good. So that works for coaches. That works for if you sell something that you can give a little sample of, usually that works. But just know that every single person you give something free to is not going to become a paid customer. Think about me and I I do this podcast every week. So I I have a lot of people that listen to this podcast, but not every single listener becomes a, a, a client for me. I don't coach every single person that listens. Maybe in three years, somebody will come back and say, you know what? I listen to Nia's podcast and now I've started a business and I really need some help. Let me go email her and see if... Uh, she can be my business coach, you know? So sometimes even providing someone with something, uh, providing someone with something for free now can really pay off even years later. I have people that reach out to me now that I met at networking events two years ago. I mean, who would think that they actually remembered me, but people do. So even if you give out something for free and you don't get anything from it right away, just know that you've given someone just just a piece of what you can give them long-term And if you're good and if they like you and if they like what they've gotten, then they'll have no trouble eventually paying you for what you offer. Now, the third way to establish trust and credibility effectively is through collaboration. Now, there's something really special about collaborating with a business that's already established and has already achieved credibility and trustworthiness between uh, the customers you want. So, I would find a non, uh, uh, I would find a business to collaborate with that's not one of your direct competitors. So, maybe someone that offers a service that's not the same as yours, but maybe perhaps you guys have the same target audience, even though you don't offer the exact same products. So my target audience, for example, for business coaching or early stage entrepreneurs, but there are lots of other people in different industries who target early stage entrepreneurs for other, for, for completely different types of services. I offer business coaching, but there might be someone that offers a book that gives early stage entrepreneurs advice about um, their mental health, you know, something completely different that I don't focus on. Uh, we have the same target audience, but again, we're not offering them the same product or service. So find a business to collaborate with that has already established trust and credibility. And you guys have heard this saying before, you are who you hang around with. People you hang around with eventually rub off on you. So if you can find a way to collaborate with a business that is trustworthy, people will eventually um, think about you when they think about that business. If you're constantly doing collaborations together, or even if you do one big collaboration, um, 
Other people will trust you just because this business recommends you. So find ways to collaborate with people. Um, And again, you are who you hang around with and the people you hang around with will eventually rub off on you. All right, guys, that is all I have for this week. I hope these tips help you in your journey as an entrepreneur with selling and marketing to your customers. And I hope this episode specifically and last week's episodes allowed you to see and understand the value of understanding the psychology of selling. I've given you all some practical tips about how you can apply strategic messaging and persuasive appeals to your marketing strategy now. So don't sit on this information. Use it now to your advantage to take your business to the next level. Uh, Stop procrastinating. Apply these tactics to your marketing strategy now to take your business to a new level of success. If you're listening and want to connect with other bosses, join my Facebook group called Hustle With Purpose and visit my website, neawithpurpose.com to learn about how you can sign up for one-on-one business coaching. I have a special gift for you all, and that is a free marketing ebook available on my website. So visit neawithpurpose.com slash podcast and subscribe to my email list to download your free marketing ebook. I hope you all have an excellent week and continue to move onward, upward, and forward. Until next time.